Ephesians chapter number 3, verse 14, all the way to 19. Oh, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited. Ephesians chapter number 3, verse 14 to 19. The Bible says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's praying here, right? It's a prayer that the Apostle Paul was making. Now, maybe before we go further, there are certain prayers that are made in the scriptures and it's okay for you to actually pray them as well. So the book of um, Ephesians has two, uh, has two uh, sections where there's actually prayers. Of, I think that's Ephesians chapter number 1 verse 17 going down and Ephesians chapter number 3 here from verse 14 going down. The Apostle Paul was praying for the church and it, it's a prayer you can make for yourself and also for the church you belong to. It's very important. So it says, um, for this reason, verse 14, we'll read again. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That means the believers who are on earth and the believers who are in heaven are one family and they have one name. They're recognized by one name. That means every, the family we belong to is the family of Christ. Understand it? It's a family that Jesus started. The same way you, you belong to a biological family and perhaps you have the same name, that means the last name. You may have, um, there's, there's, there's something I saw online um, this week and I laughed because someone um, posted about how um, their father had three children and they all had the, first, the same first name. I was like, that's chaos because how you know who is calling? <laughs> in the house, <laughs> that's just confusion. So it says um, that he may grant you, that's verse 16, that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That means by the Holy Spirit, you can be strengthened on the inside. You understand it? There are times when you, you may feel uh, weary, you may feel low, you may feel that, but the Spirit of God is able to strengthen you on the inside. The same way Samson operated in the spirit of might, the same way the spirit of God can actually strengthen your inner man and you can be mighty. You understand it? You can be a mighty man in the spirit. And that happens by the strength of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And then verse 17 says, uh, that, and this is that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, you being rooted and grounded in love, not in bitterness, not in, uh, in envy or jealousy or the flesh, that you are grounded and you are rooted in what? In what? No. Yes. And then it says, may be able to comprehend with all the sense. Praise God. It says, what is the, the, the width, the, the length, the depth and the height to know the love of Christ? which passes knowledge. Someone say the love of Christ. That's what we're looking at today. It says to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. And then it says that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That means I don't carry just a part of God. I carry the fullness of God. God didn't come with just a particular character or a side of him. When he came in my life, he came with the fullness thereof. And when you get to notice here, Paul was praying to baby Christians. He wasn't praying to a mature church. You know why? Do you know how I get to know? Because it says that Christ may dwell in your heart. You don't tell a mature believer that. 
The mature believer knows that Christ is in their heart. You don't, you don't have to tell them where Christ may dwell in your heart. What do you mean, sir? He may dwell in my heart. <laughs> that means he's talking to people who don't fully understand what, what they have. Praise God. Amen. Yes. So he says, um, verse 19 says, to know the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ. That means to interact with the love of Christ. It's not just something. See, this thing called the love of Christ or the love of God, it's not something that... Um, it's not something that's just out there. It's, it must become a personal revelation. Are we together? It must become a personal revelation. Look at 1 John chapter number 4, verse 16. And it says, And we have known. Now, John is different from how Paul, Paul was praying for the, for, the, for the young Christians. John was a mature believer. He says, And we have known. Someone said, We have known. So he says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We've known it and we've believed it. Those are two different things, to know it and then to believe it. Do you know that you, have to, you actually have to believe that God loves you personally? If it's not a belief you have, you, you, you will function in a wrong revelation. You see... It's very easy for some people to believe that God loves us corporately, but it's a personal revelation. You understand, eh? Have you ever been in an environment where you know you're a favorite? Have <laughs> you ever been there? Could be a class, could be family. <laughs> it's family, it's worse, eh? <laughs> if you're a favorite, there, it's permanent. <laughs> and you just mess up. <laughs> Have you ever been in, in an environment where you know you're a favorite? If you've never been there, we, we can lay hands on you. <laughs> that they just start loving you in an unusual way. <laughs> Praise God. So if, you, if you're in an environment where you know you're a favorite, there are certain things you can get away with that another person can't. And there's, there's a way you get to approach the system that another person can't. You understand, right? So when John there is saying, we've known the love of God, he's saying, we've actually doubted, I know that I'm loved here. And he's actually believed it. You have to believe that God loves you. <laughs> it will change how you pray. Because you, listen, if you know that you are loved at home, you're not going to beg when you're going to get groceries. Oh, yes. That means there's no, there no begging session to the ones that God loves. We don't beg God for anything. You understand? Eh? When they love you at home and you need something, you don't go there to beg. You go there to go and get. <laughs> they, would, they would deal with whatever is left after. But you just go, I mean, I'm loved here. The freedom, you, the freedom you have is just different. You understand? Yes. And then he says, or in verse what, 16, eh? And then he says, God is love. <laughs> it doesn't say God has love. That means for God, love is not what he feels, it's who he is. It's not even how, what he feels towards you. It's who he is. That means for God to have given you love, he gave you, he, he gave you himself. And maybe for us to understand this, I want you to eliminate every definition and description of love you've ever had. That's outside Christ. Because any definition or description of love that's outside Christ is, is, is of the flesh. Because 
One time I remember I mentioned this in church and people laughed. I said, human beings are naturally selfish. Naturally. Natu naturally. Like it, it does takes you, it takes you to be in a certain environment for you to realize that there's an element of you. <laughs> you understand? Yes. If, they, if there was a chance to get even just a 10,000 quarter between you and your friend, you would choose yourself. You won't even, you won't even think about... There won't, be a, there won't be a thought about your friend. <laughs> there won't be a discussion. Who needs, no, who needs it more? No. 10,000 just remain. <laughs> you will go there for yourself. It shows that there's that element of selfishness. If there's, if there's an opportunity of a business deal, you will be amazed what friends do to each other. Mm -hmm. Close friends. You'll be amazed. Why? The selfishness. But yet they can tell each other, I love you, bro. Eh? <laughs> but then, when, when placed in particular systems or environment, you'll get to realize that that love can be questioned. The love of God is the only love that can never be questioned because it's consistent and it's eternal. Mm. In human beings, you just have to... So, so every believer has to grow in love. <laughs> it, it's a journey that I don't, I don't know when we'll graduate. <laughs> I don't know when we'll... It's a journey because even when someone steps on your toes, you have to remind us of the love of Christ. Because... <laughs> People will annoy you as long as you're in this world. Yes, people will annoy you. There are some people who, imagine, imagine that one who, who called you one time to, from air to, to, try, to try to scam you. You have to love them. That, that same one, <laughs> they called you and they even attempted. The Bible instructs that that one, you have to love them as well. And if they even went out and swindled, you have to still love them. Because Jesus was being nailed to the cross and he loved the ones that were nailing him. Not once did he say, ah, when I come down, <laughs> when I resurrect, when I ascend to the place of my father, you, you will never see heaven. <laughs> he never thought like that or even said that. Even the ones that crucified him, he was dying for them. That means had they believed in that moment, when they were just done crucifying him, they would have received salvation. And heaven would have rejoiced at, at their receiving salvation. So I say, this thing called love, the love of Christ, it's a journey. It's a journey. So think about it. That one you don't like. That brother. That sister. That lecturer. <laughs> that politician. That same one. The love of Christ must fill your heart towards them. Hmm. Because says God is yes. It goes on to say, He and, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God is in him. That means when you get to love genuinely, it's a mark that God is in you. Praise God. Yes. Tell about the love of Christ. <laughs> yeah. A story that I love in the scriptures. Is a story of a man called Jonah. Hmm. There's a song of it that's playing in your minds. God forgive you. <laughs> Remember the story of Jonah? Hmm. 
Jonah was sent by God to preach to a city called Nineveh. Remember that, right? Now, the people of Nineveh were not kind people. There was wickedness. They were killing people. So there was a chance that Jonah was going to get killed as well. So God talks to Jonah, and Jonah, Jonah is a prophet. Talks to him and tells him, look, go to those people and preach to them about repentance. Tell them that they should repent. Otherwise, the wrath of God, of course, will fall on them. Right? And Jonah decides to say, mm, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going there. Jonah decides to just change his direction. And God has a way of just saying, you're, not, see, you're, you're fulfilling destiny. Swallowed by a well. <laughs> Until, of course, he agreed. So we're going there. <laughs> that means he had no choice. Eh? Mm-hmm. He had no choice in the matter. And you'll get to notice something. Maybe let's go there. The book of Jonah itself. Let's go there. Jonah chapter number verse 1. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, uh, the great city, and preach in the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of, of the Lord. Now Nineveh was uh, an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey to in, in extent rather. Verse 4 says, And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day. And of course, let's go to the part where he was preaching to them. Verse 5 says, so the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast. That's, that's after Jonah had preached. All right? In verse 4, you get to notice that Jonah actually ministered to them. And then verse 10. Okay, let's jump. You can read it at your own time, all right? The book of Jonah is something you can read, you can read within 30 minutes. You can read it and understand it. Very easy to understand. So it says, verse 10 says, Then God saw their works, that they had turned from their evil, from their, from their evil way, and, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. That means when they repented, God decided that he wasn't going to bring the disaster that he told told them through Jonah that he was going to bring, right? Remember that, right? Now, when you read verse 4, chapter chapter number 4 rather, just go to the next chapter. The Bible says, but it, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. So God forgave them from their sins. Jonah was the one who was unhappy. (laughs) Reminds me of certain people who get upset when God is blessing their enemies. (laughs) The people that you may think, ah, these ones. (laughs) So he says, it it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. Have you seen that in the scriptures? It says he became what? That means he was upset. Why was he upset? Because God forgave them. <laughs> it bothered him. It bothered him. And then he says, So he prayed to God and says, Ah, Lord, was not this what, what I said when I was still in, in the country? Therefore, I, f- I fled previously to Tarshish. In other words, I ran away because I knew you'd forgive them if I preached. <laughs> Funny guy. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, uh, for I know that you are gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. So he's now talking about the character of God. He was upset. When the Bible says God is not a man, it means this. 
Because people, you see, people have this thing of... <laughs> you've heard of karma, eh? <laughs> they don't exist in the eyes of God. That's a theory in people's minds. <laughs> in, the, in, in the eyes of God, once someone is forgiven, it's done. He doesn't go back. When you go to heaven, all right, whether be it by the rapture or whatever way that you decide to go. <laughs> but when you go to heaven, and please decide to go there, all right? When you go to heaven, there won't be anything like God will be like, mm, you deserve this at least you are. But when I remember that day, <laughs> when I remember that day, I think two points deducted. <laughs> he doesn't think that way. He doesn't reason that way. <laughs> he says their sins and their iniquities I'll remember no more. That means if you remember your sins, you are alone in your remembrance. <laughs> in the eyes of God, they are not there. And that's why when you, when you get born again, you become a new creation. It, you are a new man. A new creation simply means a species that has never existed before. That's what it means to be born again. And the believer is not a forgiven man. No. The believer is not a forgiven. People, some people think God just forgave them. And then the moment they say God is... See, people think God is this bully who is just waiting at the end of the journey. Like, waiting... When you sin, then he just takes you. Say, yes, I've caught you now. <laughs> no. This thing called the love of Christ is deeper than you can imagine. It's greater than you can imagine. It's the whole essence of why we preach. If people understood the love of Christ, they would stop doing what they are doing. How about together? Yes. There are people who, the only reason they don't misbehave when they go to university, because look, me and my mother loves me too much for me to be doing this. If I get lost here, mm -hmm. I don't know what will happen to her. Mm -hmm. What propels you? The love you have for your mother. Don't imagine the love that God has towards you. It's endless. And one time I told you to say, look, any form of love that people, okay, and I'm not talking about the love you have with, with you know, any form of love, <laughs> that you get to have, sibling, whatever, whatever it is, family and, and whatnot. It's simply a revelation of the love God has towards you. Any relationship that you are in, like I said, not that one that you're thinking about, you are in, it shows a revelation that you're supposed to have with the love of Christ. Are we together? Yes. Tell your neighbor the love of Christ. <laughs> so he, he doesn't think like us. He doesn't. One time I remember I was irritated by these bus drivers. You know, these guys can test your, your patience. Eh? <laughs> they have their way. I know that there's a curriculum where they all just got the same school. <laughs> they have a way. I was tested. And then in that moment, it's like the Holy Spirit told me to just bless him. And I'm like, he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> Did I bless him? I did. I was like, oh, yeah, God bless him. <laughs> but I was thinking about it. In that moment, I thought about it. 
if God behaved like this towards me, where would I have been? You understand it? Eh? If God treated me the way I, I might have treated someone, where would I have been? Because remember, the believer is an extension of God in this world. The believer carries God in this world. The believer is, carries the revelation of God in this world. And that's why when, have you ever been, those of you who've been believers for a long time, if let's say you've been triggered and you act in a funny way, someone says, You understand, right? In other words, there is a higher expectation, even from the world, there is a higher expectation of you. Now, if the world can demand so much, how much more God? Because the world knows that, look, this one is supposed to love differently. Will they try to, to, to take advantage? They, yes, they will. They will try. And that's because it's, it's in human nature. It's in human nature. They will try. When you know someone is that soft, ah, we can just take advantage of this one. But then being filled with the love of Christ doesn't mean you become softer. It simply means you begin to see things and see life, see people differently. Yeah. You think when, when, when Satan will be cast in the local fire, there will be anything soft about God? Like you have a soft heart towards that man. No. When he was being kicked out of heaven, there was nothing soft. The angels were excited to do it. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. So we, we have to come to a place where we get to understand. When you read the story of the prodigal son, the same thing. In, in, that's in Luke chapter number 15. You can read it at your own time. Luke chapter number 15. Should be verse 11. Going down. You will realize that when the prodigal son came back, the one who had remained was the one who was upset. So who had the problem between the two? Clearly the one who had remained. And that's, a, and that's something you must understand about about God. One time Jesus gave a parable about workers that were sent in a, in a particular field. Of course, you remember that parable, right? There were some that started earlier than other people. And then at the end of the journey, they all received the same pay. Now, those who went earlier complained. Now, when you talk about labor laws, I understand them. <laughs> why they complained. You understand? Eh? Logically, it's understandable. But then, he never promised them anything higher. The ones who went there late and the ones who went there early received the same reward. Are we together? It's the same even with the gift of righteousness. That one who got born again at the age of five and the one who got born again, got born again at 50, they received the same righteousness. You understand, right? When someone receives the gift of righteousness, the Bible shows us something, that you actually become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means the same righteousness Jesus had, you begin to, you acquire it. You don't have anything lesser. That means you have the same right to stand in the presence of God and not feel condemned, and not feel like a sinner, and not feel like you're not worthy. Anytime a believer stands in the presence of God and they don't feel worthy, that's the, that's the voice of condemnation. That's not the voice of God. The voice of God never leads anyone to condemnation. The voice of God leads men to correction. All together. When you get to understand that, you approach God differently. You will know that God is not waiting to discipline you at the end of the journey. When we go to heaven, and this is something you must understand. Listen, one time I asked someone a question. When a believer dies, where do they go? They said, ah, they go somewhere. We're going to wait for judgment day. I said, the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't. Do you know why? When a believer dies, they go straight to heaven. You know why? Because judgment was already placed on Jesus. 
when Jesus died, that was judgment day for the believer. I don't know if you understand that. That was judgment day for the believer. That means when you accept Jesus as your Lord, what you are saying is the judgment I was supposed to get. Jesus took it on my behalf and the reward you were supposed to get, I'm going to get it. Are you following? So the believer goes straight because he was already judged in Christ. And the unbeliever, they didn't accept that judgment. Therefore, they take it on their own. We'll look at judgment properly. Some of you, that's a scary topic. <laughs> You're afraid. <laughs> I know there are a number of believers who are still afraid of even the book of Revelation. Hmm? Go there and you'll discover some of, the, some of the most beautiful things about Christ. You'll be amazed at what you'll see there. Praise God. Yes. So, being loved by God must be a conviction that you know it's personal. Praise God. When you look at Romans chapter number 5, verse 8. Maybe start reading for verse 7. If you're there, say glory. glory. Alright. So, Romans chapter number 5, verse 7 and 8. The Bible says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. That means it's rare. It can happen, but it's rare. Yet perhaps for a good man, Someone may, may, may even dare to die. It says, but God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet seen as Christ died for us. That means the coming of Jesus, the death of this, every, that was a demonstration of the love of Christ. It was the demonstration of God's love towards humanity. It's possible for someone to die for a good man. Who would die for a bad man? Who would die for a bad man? Possibly no one. People who are bad, even their parents sometimes reject them. You understand? Eh? There are certain people, have you ever seen someone who even knows this one was just a terrible person? When, when they die, even the funeral didn't go in church. They just refuse. Oh, but well, no, 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 no. This one can't go in church. They refuse. But that same one <laughs> says, why were eight sinners? In other words, Christ loved us when we were in a state which was not worthy of loving. All together. Mm -hmm. Yes. There are some, maybe in here or out there, you know, I hope not in here. There are some who have walked in the world so much. They've traveled this world. <laughs> Seen it all, done it all. <laughs> What haven't they done? <laughs> when you talk about the world, they, the world, they weren't, the world was in them. They were not even in the world. <laughs> they housed it. <laughs> but the Bible says, while we, yet, words, while we were in that state, Christ came and actually died. If you are here and you are in that state, I'm telling you, Christ, while you are in this state, Christ came and died for that particular sin, for that particular nature to go away, that he may give you a new life. Once you understand the love of Christ, you, you, you will be able to see that there is no one who can be forgiven. <laughs> there is no one who can be forgiven. Do you know that to claim that a man can be forgiven is simply to say that the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus was not enough? 
To claim that a man can be forgiven, a woman can be forgiven, is simply to claim that Jesus has to shed his blood the second time. Meaning the first one was never enough. Are you following? So come to, a, to that place where you've gotten the full revelation of the love of God. The full revelation of the love of God. Amen. Amen. And then the book of Jeremiah chapter number 31 verse 3. Jeremiah 31 verse 3. Are we there? Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. Mm-hmm. Read it together. One, two, three, go. Let's read it again. It says, I have loved you with what? I have loved you with what? <laughs> that means the love of God is not dependent on circumstances. It's everlasting. You see, there are people that perhaps you loved one time in the past and it ended. But the love of God, I don't know why you're laughing. (laughs) The love of God is everlasting. Ah, I don't know if you understand that. It's everlasting. That means when the Apostle Paul was saying nothing can separate me from the love of Christ, he knew what he was talking about. It was a personal revelation there. says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Everlasting. I have loved you. You see, it's, it's personal. When you read a scripture like that, you begin to confess to the verse, God has loved me with an everlasting love. He's loved me with an everlasting love. And he said something, you see, which of you, your, your, your child will ask for bread and you give them a snake? Which of, when you give them a stone, which of you will you do that? If human beings can, how much more God? The one who loves with an everlasting love. That means when you, go, when you go to God and you're going there to pray, you're not going there to convince him to do anything. God was on your side before you were on his side. He picked you before you picked him. Prayer is not an opportunity to get God on your side. Oh Lord, come fight for us. Where is he coming from? Let's start from there. <laughs> no, where is he coming from? <laughs> No, where, where is he coming from? <laughs> and that's why you have, to, you have to have an accurate revelation of, of Jesus. All right? It's very important. There are people who think they are being deeper when they call God by the Old Testament names. <laughs> El Shaddai, Adonai. When they are praying, eh? he even comes out a certain way. Like from, from descending from a mountain. El Shaddai. There are people who think they are being deeper or they are worshipping God better when they pray like that. I want you to realize something. David would sing about God fighting his battles because he had nations he was fighting with physically. <laughs> I don't know if you understand. There were nations he was actually fighting with. 
Therefore, he needed God to be on his side. And they would pray suddenly. You understand, right? Yes. The believer is not David. Mm-hmm. I know you may say, Father, we, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. No, before you go there, before you even wrestle, the, there's already position that you take already. In other words, there's a position you are in in Christ. By the time you start wrestle, there's a determined winner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in football, they call it match fixing. <laughs> <laughs> You understand, right? Yes. Before you even play, <laughs> you've already decided who's going to win this match. So when the Bible says you're more than a conqueror, it means this. Where are we calling on God to fight our battles? I don't know if you understand that. When you call God, for example, Jehovah Jireh, who means God is our provider, right? Sounds powerful. But the Bible says God has given him a name above every name. Talking about the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus carries a higher revelation than any name you can ever mention of God. Because the name Jireh is limited to provision. Jesus covers everything. The one who sings about the name of Jesus is carrying even more weight. But that's, that's another topic we'll teach on it properly. Mm. But you have to learn to appreciate when the Bible says he has loved me with an everlasting love. With an everlasting love, he's loved me. <laughs> if you can imagine where you have been, hope not, not so recent, but if you can imagine where you've been, <laughs> praise God. Hallelujah. If you can imagine where you've been, and where God sees you now. You understand that God never looks through the lens of, 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 of anything but love. You understand that? God corrects in love. God speaks in love. God rebukes in love. God builds in love. God ministers to us in love. You understand, right? God does everything in us. God gives to us in love. See, God does not give us because he wants to show that he is God. He doesn't need to prove anything to anyone. God has nothing to prove to human beings. You see, whether human beings were there or not, he's still God. Even if one day someone said, I'm I'm never going to worship, doesn't change anything, sir. Your worship is just for, for, it it, it doesn't reduce any, no no amount of glory will be taken from God. Because someone, Mr. Chimfuembe from Chingola, decided not not to mention. Nothing will happen. You understand, right? Nothing will happen. He is God whether we worship or not. He is God whether we pray or not. He is God whether we sing or not. He is God whether we give or not. He is God whether we dance or not. He's consistent in his God. And that means when it comes to the... Even, you see, even if you went to God and told God today stop loving me, there's nothing your prayer will do. There is nothing your prayer would do. Look at what the Bible says in the book of Romans. Romans 8 verse 35. A portion of scripture we all know I I, I should believe. Romans 8 35. The Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Mm -hmm. Who? It's a question the Bible is asking. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It goes on to say, shall tribulation, no distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. It says, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And then it says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. But the question is, the Bible is asking a question there. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? That means there is no human being in this world who has the ability to separate you from the love of Christ. You understand, right? There is no circumstance that can actually separate man from the love of Christ. It means there is, there is no angel who can even come and announce to you. See, if an angel was to even come from the presence of God and announce to say, God has stopped loving, just know the angel has lied. And say, you, judgment is on you. <laughs> because it's not possible to remove. You see, if you want to know what's on the heart of God, you have to look at people. Because God thinks about human beings. Right? So it means if you want to know exactly what's on God's heart, you have to learn to look at people. It's when you look at people that you begin to see what's exactly on God's mind. Do you know that when you get to, to, to know the love of Christ, intercession will become easy for you? It will flow naturally. That means you will learn to pray for others more than you even pray for yourself. You will learn to intercede for the needs of others more than you intercede for yourself. You will lose sight of your own need and begin to focus on other people. That's what will happen when you begin to actually grow in the love of Christ. Are we together? Yes. You will lose sight of your own needs. You will be there praying. You, you even, you've got your own needs, but you're interceding for another man. Why? You're being overwhelmed by the love of Christ. Praise God. Look at what the Bible says. In, in Romans chapter number 5, verse 5. It says, now hope does not disappoint. Mm. That means you, you're allowed to be hopeful. <laughs> hope doesn't disappoint. See, there are people who are afraid of being hopeful. If I have too much hope, ah, what if I'm let down? Mm -hmm. What if things don't happen? Mm -hmm. The Bible says hope does not disappoint. Mm -hmm. That means if you are disappointed, oh, anyway. <laughs> it was never hope. <laughs> we don't know what you had. <laughs> but the Bible says hope does not what? No, it doesn't. So it says, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. I don't know if you understand what that means. God's love has been poured in our hearts. What that means is the ability to love is now in my spirit. It says the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That means when the Holy Spirit was given to you, he came with the love of God and now he enables you to love according to how God loves, not according to how human beings love, not according to how human beings do things, but you begin to do things according to how God, how God does things. Because God, God's love has been poured in my, in my heart. Praise God. That means you are not permitted to love in the, in, in the order of the flesh. No. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you pray in the spirit, according to the scriptures, mm -hmm. according to the Bible. When you receive the Holy Spirit, every time people receive the Holy Spirit, they, they pray. In, they pray in the spirit. When you read Acts chapter number two, Acts chapter number four, Acts chapter number eleven, Acts chapter number ten, Acts chapter number nineteen, 
all those scriptures. First Corinthians chapter number 12, First Corinthians chapter number 14, all those scriptures show, show you the same thing. Mm -hmm. So now, the point I want to make is this. If you've received the Holy Spirit in your heart, He enables you to love the way God loves. All together. He enables you to love the way God loves. What that means is, you need to now grow in the love that the Holy Spirit has brought in, in your heart. Because if you don't grow in it, you will not be able to pray for people the way you're supposed to. You will not be able to win souls the way you're supposed to. All together. You will not be able to worship God the way you're supposed to. The love of God has to grow in your heart. The Holy Spirit has brought it, but you have to grow in it. All together. You have to grow in it. If you don't grow in it, it will be very difficult for you to operate, to function in the, uh, in the ways that the Spirit of God wants. Are we together? Yes. What that means is, when you grow in the love of God, when the love of God actually even grows even in your spirit, forgiveness will become easy. If you struggle to forgive others, it means you have not grown in the love of God. If you, struggle, if you still hold on to things, you, still, you even still remember what your best friend did to you two years ago. It means there's a problem. You have to deal with it. Are we together? Yes, you deal with it. Check your heart. How is your heart? Sometimes what, that, that, that's what hinders people even from walking in the, in, the, in the blessing and the fullness of God. The fullness of God has been given to you, but if your heart is bitter, that means your spirit is corrupted. You understand it? Eh? It's corrupted. If there is envy, people are testifying you have problems with it. <laughs> it bothers you. <laughs> it becomes a problem. How together? Yeah. So you have to you, you have to grow. You have to grow. Your heart has to be in the right place. And that's what one time I remember. I, I remember that there was a time when I was praying. And uh, I won't tell you what I was praying about, but the Lord asked me a question to say, is your heart in the right place as you are praying for this? I had to first sit and interrogate. Because sometimes it's easy to pray, even when, when your heart is not even in the right place. How together? Yes. You have to check yourself. There, is there anyone you can't pray for? Is there a human being in this world you can't intercede for? If there is someone you can't pray for, that means there's a problem somewhere. You have to deal with it in your heart. Because for you to love like God, it means you have to learn to love everyone. Now, loving everyone doesn't mean you're friends with everyone. It doesn't mean that everyone is your bestie now. You understand, right? Yeah, there are people you can love from afar, it's okay. I love you, but yeah, yeah keep a distance. <laughs> That's fine. But then the, the key is that your heart must be in the right place because there are people who only see the love of God in this world through your love. Yes. If the, if the believers, you say, how can the world be more loving than the church? It means that there's a problem somewhere. So if you as a believer, your heart, your heart is not towards, um, number one, towards those who are lost. Because if the love of God has been poured out in our hearts, that means we're supposed to love even those who are lost. There should be no one you look at who is a sinner. Say, this, 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 if this one gets born again, where is Should be no one like that. You must be able to see everyone as a candidate of salvation. It doesn't matter what, what they've, where they've been or what they've done. You must be able to look at them and see them as a candidate for salvation. Praise God. 
Number two, then the, the other point is that you, you see, you must accommodate other people in your life. That means in prayer, you accommodate them. Do you know that if you don't like someone, what the easiest way of, of getting over it is praying for them? Those who don't like people have, have, have agreed. <laughs> they pray for other people. <laughs> Praise God. So if there's anyone that you know you don't like, learn to pray for them. Because the love of God has been poured in my heart. You make up your mind and say, look, God is love and is in me, therefore I will love. I choose to love, I choose not to hate. I choose to love, I choose not to envy. I choose to love, I choose not to walk in bitterness. You understand it? Like, will people offend you? Yes. Yes. When Jesus was walking in this world, the Pharisees called him a demon. Yes. This one functions by demons, this one. Yeah. Imagine you now. If you, imagine you, if you prayed for someone, the person is healed. People now around, these are demons. How would you react? Yet Jesus never excluded them in the package of salvation. Even them, he was dying for them. How together? Yes. There are people who there are people who are critics of Jesus' ministry. Left right center, they couldn't they, they, they couldn't stop criticizing him. How much more we? Praise God. Yes. Then the other thing is in your as you grow in the love of in the love of Christ, your fellowship with God also, also grows better. It becomes better. It becomes better. Why? Because God is love. You walk in love. It's easy for you to fellowship with Him. It's easy for God to talk to you. All together. Yes. There's a principle that you must have in your life. <clears throat> and this principle is that. First, let me start with, let me mention this. If you have an issue, all right, if you have a problem, any kind of problem, for example, let's say in this church, if you notice that, for example, Daniel has a problem, the best people to report him are those senior to him. Are we together? The best people to report whoever you have a problem with are those senior to them. If you don't report to those senior to them, it becomes gossip. Do you know why? Because anytime you present a problem to someone who can solve it, you're gossiping. Anytime you present any problem to someone who can solve it, you're simply gossiping. Have you seen what that sister is doing? How is it to you? How is that your problem? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you understand, right? Yeah. But then, when you grow in the love of Christ, you will know that when there's a problem with your brother, you want to see them get helped. Therefore, you will take it to a place where they can be helped. Not to a place where the other brother... I've also noticed. You even start agreeing, you even start camping now. She also answered you that way. Ah, that's... Ah, ah. No, 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 no. That means, that means it, it, it now, it's now become gossip. And anyone you gossip about, you can't pray for them. Don't even lie to yourself. There are some of you who are gifted by God in the prophetic. Gifted. But do you know what's hindering it? It's that you gossip too much because how will God speak to you about someone when you know everything? 
He already knows what that one is going through, that one is going. I mean, there's no room for God to even tell you anything about anyone. Because you know everyone's problem, you're just there. You know that sister, that, that one we know. <laughs> that brother, we know that one. There's no, there's no room for God to even tell you, no, pray for that sister, this is going on. But you know everything already. You, you heard it from sister this and brother that. You already know it. It means it's a problem. Praise God. Yeah. Let's stand to our feet. I want you to pray. Mm-hmm. I'll give room for, for those who you know that there's something you have to deal with in your heart. Talked about love. If there's anyone that you need to forgive in this moment, I want you to pray. Say, Lord, help me let go of that. Whether it's bitterness, then I'll give the prayer point. That we all start from the same place. So if you know that there is something or someone, you've been offended by someone. Someone did something to you. Or they broke your heart in a very bad way. <laughs> you can't recover. When you think about that brother, you can't pray for them. <laughs> <coughs> because they dealt with you. <laughs> 419, but no. I want you to, to pray. Lord, help me. Help me. I don't want to hold on to bitterness in my heart. Are we together? Yeah. Raise your hands and pray. Say, Lord, help me.